I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. People will listen well, to this. It's morning for us. That's okay. Okay, all we right. We understand that we, we have a time of day where we are, and, you know, it's legitimate to express a, a wish appropriate to that time of day. You're so reasonable <laughs> and supportive. This is why I really value our friendship. I could have said something in Korean, and you would have been like, oh, what does that mean? Perfect. Right. <laughs> Oh my God! So, um, what's been going on this week? Anything interesting happen? Anything interesting coming up, like Halloween? Uh, yeah, actually, I am super excited about uh, Halloween. Hey, Samhain pagans! Um, <laughs> I'm very—I love Halloween, and for a couple of reasons, aside from like all the childhood stuff, right? Like all the fond mm-hmm. memories, those satanic rituals, and. Um, blood massacres but no just the whole um the the innocence of it the idea that you go up to somebody's door and knock on it and they give you candy and then you eat that candy (laughs) yeah yeah what that's (laughs) what yeah no other time of year is that legitimate no i turn people away from my door like on a daily basis i live downtown and it's you know uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a fun place to. It's a great place to live, but uh, it's real world life, like everywhere, right? Um, so anyway, uh, so I love Halloween for that, but then also there just aren't expectations around Halloween. It no one's ever like, oh my god, you sat at home on Halloween alone. How sad. <laughs> oh, you don't have any friends you for Halloween. You didn't give me the Halloween present I wanted. Come over to yeah. my house for Halloween. You can't be alone. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I didn't even get a That's Halloween cool. card. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. It is the perfect holiday. It's great. And I love the making Halloween cookies and decorating them. I know how stupid, yeah. right? But I do like that. It's it's the pre-fall prep. Uh, it's kind oh of that God. like Christmas is coming. Okay. Get ready. Do you have cookie molds shaped like something? How sad. Pumpkins? I do. I have ghost. Ah, I think I have ah. a witch's hat. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And then... Um, or a triangle. Well, so the real test of your Halloween uh, patronage, I guess is the word, uh, is can you take a gingerbread cookie and turn it into a zombie? Because I can. You can? Uh-huh. It's frosting. Oh, my God. It's just the icing. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I want to see pictures. Uh, well, I now I have to do it. Sure and to I was just going to do pumpkins this year. No, it's going to be zombies okay. all the way. Okay, you're on. I will, I will fucking do that. I am going to make... And we'll put them on the show notes because everyone will want to see them. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> okay. even, though by the, even though by the time this comes up, it'll be like um, Easter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there is that aspect to all of this that we're doing right now. We're talking in one timeline and a listener may hear this when it first goes to 
press, broadcast? What word do I want to use when we, when we drop it, right? Um, may hear it in the spring. Well, we're doing all this, all these episodes as prep, so 10 episodes prior to going live, I think mostly so we'll have backup episodes. So maybe what we should do is think about starting afresh when we go live and, and, and having it be more congruent with the actual seasons. So when we go live December 1st, or whatever day it turns out to be, we'll do Christmas. Oh, we are so going to do Christmas. I am researching bullshit <laughs> right now. Uh, no one's ever sorry about Christmas, so it's actually harder to find Is stuff. it? I haven't even looked. Oh, there's some great stuff. Um, <laughs> Good. There's some great stuff. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll save that for save that for our very special Future. Christmas episode. We'll save it for Easter. Aww. You know, I'm really bummed that they're not putting peanuts on network television anymore. The Charlie Brown Christmas special, that's my favorite Christmas special. And I know that I could, like, watch my own Blu-ray or DVD or whatever, but, I mean, uh, and I never don't watch, I don't even have television, so what do I care? But I'm bummed anyway. That's all these generations of children don't get to see Charlie Brown Christmas. What do they watch now anyway? you got to help me right here. You don't have television? Like, you're not you're are you no we don't have cable or anything we don't even have a tv in the living room oh my god what an amazing world i miss that world so much all we really? do is do you TV. guys watch tv really do we what watch, do you watch tv i wouldn't say that we watch tv like so like movies and stuff once upon a time in a happier age i didn't have television or cable and mm-hmm. Like, my entertainment came from going to the video store and renting a, a VHS slash a CD later and watching a CD, mm-hmm. a DVD. Oh, my God, it's been so long, I don't remember what they're called. Um, yeah. And uh, then, yeah, slowly started watching television. And honestly, I like it, but I would say that TV is not the third person in our relationship. It's just mm-hmm. this thing that's on that's kind of moving wallpaper. Um, I see. So every now and then we'll like actively watch a show, which means no iPads right. in the room. Right? Oh, wow. Uh, but for the most part. But see, that's what we do. We're on the computer all the time. So it's not like we're not doing mind-numbing activities. We're just sitting there on our on our separate computers on the couch. So uh-huh. that's really, that's it. We're doing that. And then the TV set is flashing pictures and noise at us <laughs> while we sit on the couch and look at our iPads. So that's, yes. Um uh, and I would say, unless you really want moving, it's like a it's like a lamp. The TV set right. in our house it casts this beautiful flickering blue light. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, okay. So that's I guess that. Uh, but yeah, that's I hear neat. you on the Charlie Brown thing. It's uh, it is sad. The world's changing quite the end a bit. Of an era. The world is absolutely changing. And you're, but anyway, so anyway, <laughs> things well, are great. Yeah, notice how I'm so quick to drag you down the roads of despair. Oh, the world's changing, and children don't get to no, do anything fun. It's not you; it's the world that's doing it. We have to, we have to fight it. We have to fight against it and look at the positive. We're going to be chipper so. as hell today. Chipper, chipper, chipper. <laughs> and you'll know we're secretly despairing. Um, all right, so what are we going to talk about today? We have, um, Theo, I have a question for you. Okay. What has been your worst airline experience? Oh, I have a great one. Um, Good. So we were flying back from Australia on Qantas, and mm-hmm. we were flying to L.A., and mm-hmm. we'd been on the flight for, mm, we were just over Hawaii, so I'm going to call that mm-hmm. eight hours maybe in the yeah. air. And the pilot came on and said, sorry, 
one of our engines has gone out. We have oh, to shoot. go back to Australia. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not kidding you. We were over Hawaii. And how I know that is because, of course, I looked at the map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how much longer do we have? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I'd been kind of bird dogging. You couldn't even go to L.A., which is like five hours away. You had to turn around and go eight hours back to, oh, my God. And the reason why I'd be so mad. is because we were on a Qantas airplane. And I think the stewardess said something about, like, Oh, there's a part that we need, and it's only available at the Sydney airport. So we Ugh. landed back in Sydney. And may Ugh. I tell you, eight hours, I was a fucking believer in God. Like, a hundred percent. Please, 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 if you get me to Sydney, I lived up to every promise I made on that flight, too. Um, wow. If you get me to Sydney, I will never swear again. I mean, oh my God. fuck it. Yeah, God's got to forget it. <laughs> well, it's it's totally okay for planes to fly on one engine. I mean, I know that sounds funny, but it's true. For, fortunately for you guys, mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a problem. But I, it would have freaked me out, too, because I would have thought the whole time the other engine was going to go out. And I, I mean, I'll say this about Qantas, because I, I understand your point. It wasn't so much like, yeah, it's your bad experience, but it's, it's really it's about the service, right? And so uh, yeah. they were super accommodating. They stuck us in a hotel, uh, which, of course, they paid for ground transport from the airport to the hotel and back and all that kind of nonsense, food, meals. Um, we weren't living nice. like kings, but they yeah. did take care of us. And in that regard, it, it was okay. I really didn't understand the logic of not landing in fucking Hawaii because, yeah. hi, you can yeah, have the part right flown in from Ship Australia. Ship the part, right? Put it on the next plane. <laughs> but, all You're right. You're airline. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll, whatever. But, uh, yeah. And so that would be the worst. But uh, I haven't had, like, a, a ridiculous customer service experience. What about oh, okay, you? Have you good. had a bad flight um, experience? The only really bad experiences I've had have been with really bad turbulence because that's what I hate the most. Mm. And there was this one flight that I was on to, to Raleigh-Durham that, that was really bad. And, and they like the ambulances met us at the tarmac. There were people that had been Shut injured. It was, yeah, it wasn't, it's never been as bad as like my dad used to tell me that some of the flights that he, he flew all the time. So he went through everything, but he went through several flights where the, it hit an air pocket and the plane would just like drop several hundreds or thousands of feet. And he said like the people had, this is when they serve food on the plane. So that tells you how long ago it was, but the food would be on the ceiling from like how far the, the plane had dropped and it was fine. You know, it's totally safe, but scared the shit out of you. I'm sure. So. Um, Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, no. That never happened to me. If that ever happened to me, I would never fly again. I am afraid of heights. And so the fact that I can get on a plane is... That's amazing. ...is totally amazing, right? But I do this whole, like, psych out thing with myself. And uh, and it's fine. And I'm an okay okay flyer until Mm -hmm. we hit turbulence. And then... Uh Yeah, all hell breaks loose. Oh, it internally. I start praying in Latin. Like that's how real it yeah. gets. <laughs> I can actually pray in Latin. You didn't go to Catholic school though, did you? I went to Catholic school for the first three years of school. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, no, I didn't. I didn't I go all I said, the way. Yeah, and I said in the last episode that, you, that we both went to Catholic school, and then I was like, I'm not sure if you did or not. But, I totally yeah. did. I, I can name awesome. all of the sisters who taught me. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, it was uh, it it was it was quite a thing. Um, I don't remember the transition to public school. I do remember being afraid of going to public school, but I think when yeah. I got there, it was fine. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Or it was so bad that you blocked it out. Probably that. Definitely yeah. that. But speaking of flights that were bad, um, <laughs> yeah, that were on we Catholic have. School. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just how What's it works here. <laughs> so in 1998, an airline was founded called JetBlue. And I remember this happening. I'm so old I can remember airlines being founded. Uh, other airlines. <laughs> the invention of flight. <laughs> the invention of flight. <laughs> That'll never get off the ground. You kids and your dang toys. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, just uh, do you remember People Express? I know you do. I totally remember People's Express. Oh my fucking god! I phone for I, yes. Uh, that we'll have we'll have to save that story. But okay, we'll save that story when we ran away from high school and and took a plane somewhere. And we paid for the uh, ticket on the plane because that's how People Express operated. You got onto the flight into the air, and then they came through and took your money <laughs> for the ticket. And it was twenty eight bucks from Raleigh Durham to. Uh, it was so cheap. New York. Oh my God. Each way. And what a <laughs> it was amazing. fucking best day of my life to this day. That was awesome. And I've been anyway, married. we'll talk more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, marriage has its pluses and minuses. Oh, I'm totally know, happily married. But this day in New York was still the best fucking day of my life. <laughs> totally. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Uh, the marriage was the second best day, but that New York day yeah, oh yeah. fucking platinum. Yeah, it was close. <laughs> okay, uh, so, so back to JetBlue. Oh yeah, so so um, uh, Lewis and Clark. No, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> remember their names the kitty hawk people <laughs> orville and wilbur wright <laughs> and then in 1998 uh jet blue was founded uh, <laughs> beautiful sugar. which yeah thank you um and the some couple of white dudes founded it of course and one of them was named David Neeleman. And one of the goals of this particular airline was to bring humanity back to air travel. By that time, flying had become a big, fat, fucking bore. Um, nothing good ever happened. Seats were small, like it is now, basically. Um, but um, but JetBlue came along, and another airline, Virgin, Virgin America, um, came along, in, in my memory, around the same time. And they were both just a little bit better. To fl better flying experiences. A lot than, better um, flying experiences. Yeah. Domestically, for yeah, sure. A lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I remember around that time I was flying a lot from here to Seattle, and it was just like I changed all my travel plans from United to, um, to I think it was JetBlue, because it was such a such a difference that it made they in had my life. Televisions so, in the back of the seats. Like that was. I know. No one did so at that time. innovative. It was, and the lights were a different color, which made a big difference. You wouldn't think it, w it would, but that fluorescent lighting on most airplanes is just so unflattering. I never noticed. <laughs> no, it's true. They have blue lights. So awful. Um, but yeah, it was just a better experience from from start to finish, and and they didn't cancel flights. So like they had as a policy that they wouldn't cancel flights. I don't know exactly what that meant, um, practically speaking, but I think it meant that they would try to keep the flight going no matter what. Um, and if they had to move you to another another plane to get you where you're going, then they'd probably do that. So um, so JetBlue was was a popular airline. 
um, it's hard to start airlines. It's hard to make money as an airline, and it's hard to get one off the ground, so to speak. But JetBlue was doing pretty well. Um, and um, around 2000, it was 2007, Valentine's Day, there was um, a February ice storm at JFK, and JetBlue was flying out of JFK at the time. And um, they were expecting the ice to turn to rain, so JetBlue kept boarding their passengers. And people sat on the ground for a while. Yes. I'm going to turn it over to you. And they sat on the ground for a while and a while and a while. The weather the week before had been great. It had been really nice uh, winter weather for the Northeast. And the, the forecast for what turned out to be the winter storm of the century that mm-hmm. year um, did say that Things were going to warm up a bit. Yeah, it's snowing now and we've got some ice, but it, it's going to get better. And being a Californian, for the most part, um, I don't understand snow and I really don't understand mm-hmm. weather. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it, but not really, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the fact that you could fly when it's raining freaks me out. The fact that you can fly when it's snowing, I don't understand that either, right? Mm. But because JetBlue had this policy of, we're going to go regardless and we're going to get you to where you need to be because we're for the people and we're for you and we're here for you and you need to be there and we're here for you. (laughs) They were just waiting for the weather. They were waiting for God to cooperate, really, I think is is what it was. (laughs) And meantime, flights kept coming in and they didn't have any gates to go to because the flights that were sitting on the ground waiting for God were still sitting on the ground waiting for God. so for hours they kept some people on the hours. planes for nine hours 11 hours there was a flight to aruba that was um that was they're sitting there for 11 hours can you imagine sitting on an airplane for 11 hours and not going anywhere I mean, and not going anywhere i mean it's bad enough when you are going somewhere uh, and not knowing if you were ever going to get off <laughs> no i can't i can't i would yeah. be screaming so, on the 14th of February, that, that, that day at JFK, JetBlue had nine aircraft with stranded customers on board for more than five hours. And thousands of customers had lengthy delays on board. The planes are at the gate or on the tarmac. And um, the screwed up arriving planes and departing planes and all sorts of other planes and other flights at JFK and flights at uh, connecting airline, airports. So normal flights... Things didn't get back to normal for JetBlue until about six days later. And they estimate that 130,000 JetBlue customers were affected. Yes, terrible. And so JetBlue, of course, suffered quite a bit for this. Um, they were the the airline that's there for you. I'm making up a tagline for them. But really, their, their whole market uh, niche was, we're going to be the nice airline. We're going to yeah, be the customer-focused were- airline. Right. They're bringing humanity back to air travel. This is exactly what they said. That's a yeah. good. That's a good line. But the drag <laughs> with that line is you have to live up to it, right? And Constantly. It's yeah. like Ellen being the queen of nice. Once you're right. crowned, I think Rosie O'Donnell said something like, "Once you're crowned the queen of nice, it's over because you can't be nice <laughs> all the time." And so, right. a lot to live up to in that tagline. The other issue for JetBlue is that 
everybody was affected by the same snowstorm. It didn't just snow on JetBlue planes. It snowed mm-hmm. on American Airlines and Continental, if they were still around, and People's Express, right, uh, which well out of business by that time. I think they were bought by U.S. Air and then maybe JetBlue. I'm, I'm not sure where those planes... At. <laughs> kind of, it doesn't matter, but... Um, uh, Sorry, my brain is going into this whole, like, here's how airlines operate. Um, <laughs> because Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about something else get myself. To, <laughs> you just don't get to have a plane and show up and get people on it and fly to where you want to go. You have to yeah, take over no. a route and you have to build right. up a a destination base. And so... Right, exactly. Uh, anyway, so it's complicated. It's it's very yeah, complicated. Yeah, like they didn't start flying out of San Francisco. They flew out of Oakland for a while, I think, or maybe that was Virgin America. I don't know. But anyway, they eventually got to fly out of San Francisco and much rejoicing was was had. Um, what was that? Oh, your husband is leaving for the day. <laughs> no, he's brushing his teeth. And for the first time oh. in recorded history, he needed to see what was happening <laughs> while brushing his teeth with the electric toothbrush, which is... I wondered what that was. I was like, oh, as, as does our listening audience. So, um, hey, yeah. the commercial for Sonicare. It is a great brand of toothbrush. Love it. Um, <laughs> no, they're not sponsors yet, so we don't have to talk about it. Okay, great. Well, And they're loud. Um, yeah. As you just so witnessed. JetBlue, yeah. So JetBlue was sorry for what had happened. Um, and they took out a full-page ad in the New York... Washington, D.C., and Boston Papers promising that they would make major changes so it would never happen again. Um, The ad eventually ran in 15 cities and 20 newspapers in cities that were variously affected by the canceled flights. So not only did they run the full-page ad, did you have something to say about the ad? Oh, well, uh, I was uh, in complete agreement with you because Mm -hmm. they did. And also this really high, this was an expensive proposition for them. And there was... I mean, there was the internet, but there kind of wasn't the internet, really. Uh, you went to the newspapers to to make your apologies. Um, I guess I just get real excited too. when I hear the word newspaper. I'm, I remember those. Oh my God, I want to talk about newspapers now. So I totally derailed you. <laughs> no, no. Um, so they did put the ads in the papers. They um, they actually changed their reporting structure and hired a chief operating officer. Um, I believe they demoted um, poor David Neeleman, who was the one one of the founders, to um, a, a non-executive position or something. I I think that was probably a bad idea. Um, oh, considering I have so this part really caught my interest. The the first yeah. part about like oh the poor customers on the plane and the apology tour that the CEO does. Um, t- of course, right? Any company uh-huh. is going to do something like that. You screw up. You go against your brand by mistake, by an accident, right? right? You you send out the big guns and you apologize to everybody of course that's that is like the template that's the formula um but poor david uh neilman he was the and i'm i want to make sure i have his name right because i do feel for the guy yeah neilman um so he was founder and ceo and when yeah. he was making his apology tour, David Barger, who was the chief operating officer, 
According to his Wikipedia page, so the Wikipedia page uh-huh. for David Barger states um, that Barger had politicked the board while right. Nealman was apologizing and basically arranged for Nealman to be removed entirely as CEO, had himself yep. promoted, and then became president. Uh, this all happened in 2000, in May of 2007. So this political corporate intrigue really struck my interest. And why would you let that sit on your uh, Wikipedia page? It makes <laughs> you look like you actively went out there and in a very Shakespearean, Julius Caesar kind of way, stabbed somebody in the back. I think that's how it works. Oh, I guess it does. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I think that um, replacing Nealman was not fully thought out, um, unless there had been issues prior that we don't know about. But but this whole policy that JetBlue had of not letting flights be canceled was obviously known to the board and approved of. And the things that were going on at JetBlue were were only things that had been okayed by the people in charge. So to blame uh, David Nealman for it and get rid of him, more or less, seems um, unfortunate. And fair. And David Nealman was on some morning shows in 2007, fresh on the heels of this event. And and to kind of... um, really emphasize this point, JetBlue was the only airline that was affected for six days by this. The other Mm -hmm. airlines were affected by, you know, by the storm for that day. They quickly got back Uh up to speed and and, and service. JetBlue was the one that was like, we don't know what to do. We've never seen snow before. Help (laughs) us. What is this? Right. (laughs) And, and the, the six day delay really highlighted weaknesses in the corporate infrastructure. They weren't able to move staff around on the ground. They weren't able to relocate their planes quickly enough. And even, I don't know anything about flying an airline. Even I'm like, guys, what's so fucking hard? Right, right. Well, see, now you're making the case for firing David Nealman. Well, but so here's where I think David Nealman was actually kind of a great guy. So he's on these morning shows doing these apologies. And he was with Robin. No, not Robin. He was with uh, Gail King, um, the other morning show. And she said to him, hey, you're here. And we had scheduled you earlier uh, to come in. But now there's been this weird Uh, weather thing and I'm sure you don't really want to talk about it but that's what we have to talk about so (laughs) what's up right and you know he went through the whole like we're really sorry we handled this poorly um, blah 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 and then she said well is anybody going to get fired for this and he said no no one is going to get fired for this oh boy and he was wrong because he got fired for it he got fired by the board and according to Wikipedia, uh, David Barger helped uh, help make that happen. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. And Barger, if you're listening, you probably need to clean up your Wikipedia page. <laughs> I'm just Maybe say. he doesn't care. Oh, yeah. No, he doesn't care so... at all. How awesome <laughs> if he does. <laughs> like if I go in a month from now and his page is cleaned He's up. He's changed it. I'm going to be like, oh my God. dude, we're so powerful. <laughs> we can make COOs do anything, anything we, we want. want. Um, okay, so, so yeah, those were the points I wanted ahead. to uh, bring to the table. 
Okay, so um, they 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 put an ad in the papers, and they actually went on YouTube or whatever and apologized. Of course, that was all David Nealman doing that. And they also created, this is the interesting thing to me, they, they created a, what they called a publish, a customer bill of rights. So, and that include things like they would notify customers of delays, cancellations, or diversions along with the cause, which if you are a frequent flyer, you know, they never fucking tell you why your plane is delayed six hours. They just tell you that maybe it's going to fly one day. Yeah, no, good luck to you. Give us more money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give us 50 bucks, we might tell you why your plane is delayed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if they cancel a flight, the, the, the passenger will get either a refund or a rebooking um, and a credit. Uh, if a customer is involuntarily, involuntarily denied board, JetBlue will pay that customer $1,000, which is nice. Um, if JetBlue delays a flight prior to its scheduled departure time for reasons within our control, uh, starting at one hour, we will compensate you with a travel voucher, and then it goes on to list the amount of money per the length of time uh, the flights are delayed. And it goes on like that for a while with several different um options of what could happen during plane travel and how you'll be reimbursed. Um, and JetBlue ended up giving people millions of dollars worth of refunds and travel vouchers and, and for the, just for the Valentine's Day occurrence. And they said that that negatively impacted their first quarter operating margin, which no doubt it did negatively impact their first quarter operating margin. But I would like to point out that in 2007, they still made $12 million. So $12 million is nothing compared to like the $1,800 they might have made at, at another time of year, like Christmas or whatever, but um, it's still not nothing. Right. Um, and that was in yeah. 2007, which is probably like $400 million today. Oh, totally. Can't even imagine how much money that would be today. It's incalculable. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way anybody could ever know. <laughs> no, there's no way we could ever know. <laughs> um, so the... There was a letter, I think this was a letter that was published in the paper, um, and there are some things that I want to point out about it. Um, it started out saying, Dear JetBlue customers, we are sorry and embarrassed, but most of all, we are deeply sorry. And then it talks about what happened, um, and the second paragraph, third paragraph says, Words cannot express how truly sorry we are for the anxiety, frustration, and inconvenience that we caused. This is especially saddening because JetBlue was founded on the promise of bringing humanity back to air travel and making the experience of flying happier and easier for everyone who chooses to fly with us. We know we failed to deliver on this promise last week. And then they talk about how they're going to do things to um, make... Um, make flying better to be more prepared for things like the events that happened on uh, valentine's day um improve things for passengers and crew members and um then publish the customer bill of rights which i just talked about so uh they end the letter with you deserve better a lot better from us last week nothing is more important than regaining your trust and all of us here hope you will give us the opportunity to welcome you aboard again on board again soon and provide you the positive jet blue experience you have come to expect from us now i think that is a nice apology oh it's great it takes ownership of an event that while on while they What's the word I'm looking for? Impetus of it wasn't necessarily uh, in JetBlue's control. Mm -hmm. Again, every other airline in America was able to operate. They were the only one that was like, we don't know what to do. Yeah. So yeah. they owned it. They apologized. They 
they pointedly said this goes against everything that we stand for and we failed you. It's a very good apology. It's a very thorough again, it just it takes ownership. Right. Some of it's right. formulaic and fine. Take ownership. But they they go ahead and they say here's how here's what we're going to do to change and they specifically tell you here's what we're going to do to change and it's going to involve um, tangible money um, money. It's going <laughs> to yeah. involve money. Yeah. <laughs> how fucking sorry it's we are. Involve money coming to you. <laughs> so uh, hooray! And and this should have been the end of it. Um, I think they should not have fired or demoted David Nealman. Um, they should have. Oh, let they him totally continue. fired him. As a CEO and, and founder, I don't know what he's doing today. He's probably I doing do. something. I do. I do. And doing? I'm so excited to, to tell you. But um, but just to back half a step, so that David Nealman, uh, air quotes around firing, because he just sort of laughed and, and you know, whatever, right? But um, there was a disagreement between Nealman, who, again, was the founder of this thing. So he is the Steve yeah. Jobs of JetBlue, right? It's his baby, yeah. his creation, his, his everything. And he didn't want first class. So in 2007, sort of it was put out there very loosely that, uh, well, we have a difference in opinion. Nealman doesn't want first class. He wants to keep everything democratic. Is that the word I'm looking uh-huh. for? Um, sure. And, and no. And so Chet Blue in 2015, eight years later, introduced their first class uh, oh. service, right? So clearly it wasn't that they wanted to have first class because it took them eight right. years to establish Mint uh, as their first class. And I watched a video right. yesterday on uh, Mint. And I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not... First class, not yeah. super exciting, but it's fine. It's a mm. ripoff of British Airways first class, sort of. Um, but okay, uh, yeah. And so, what is Nealman doing today? Well, don't cry for me, David Nealman. Thank you. I wrote that um, because first of all, he came to JetBlue from the airline industry, and he had pocketed uh, twenty-five million dollars when he left his. Uh, first airline and sorry everybody I should have I, I'm going to be saying this stuff I should have some facts and more information than, but what what I cared about was oh he had 25 million dollars when he came to JetBlue and founded it mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you know all this happened and then he was kind of iced out pun intended um, <laughs> so David Nealman is still in the airline industry and I see he has uh had a hand in the development of TAP, which is the airline in Portugal. It's the third largest airline in Portugal. Um, But he is getting ready in 2021 to launch Breeze Airways in America. Oh, boy. It is going to be a low-cost carrier that focuses on people. Oh, how great. Express. Yes. And <laughs> knowing a teeny tiny bit about how airlines operate, I fully expect Breeze Airway to be appearing in every JetBlue market. And I yeah. think somebody's holding a grudge. And I think yeah. somebody's coming for blood. We'll see what happens. What a, what a tough time to launch an airline, though. Well, there's an old joke in the airline industry, which is uh, actually it's just an old joke. 
I, just, I can't even <laughs> believe I had to say in the airline industry because I'm so connected. Um, but it, for my street cred, uh, yes, I'm from a uh, British Airways family. My husband worked for BA <laughs> for like 15 years, so uh, airline stuff is in his blood. I'll tell you about the, I forget the word, Adirondack thing. I'll, I'll say that. Um, so anyway, where was I going with all of that? I don't know because I got really excited. There's a saying in the airline industry. Thank you. There's no, about how do you become a millionaire? You take five million dollars <laughs> and you open an airline. Because <laughs> all airlines yeah. do is lose money, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. God, I got real sidetracked though because I made the mistake of asking James, "Hey, can you explain this airline thing to <laughs> me and help me clarify?" Uh-oh. And I got like a two-hour lecture. Because <laughs> he was so excited to talk about airplanes. They go, vroom. Oh, man. Right? Um, and there's a word for yeah, train spotters, the people that wear those yellow yeah. raincoats. Yeah. And they're not, it's not Adirondacks. I don't know. There's Oh, a, oh, anoraks. Thank you. I knew you would know. I knew you would know. <laughs> and I was so close. But those are the chairs. Too close. Adirondacks. Adirondacks are mountains. <laughs> well, but I'm thinking of the chairs. Yes, they are. Fuck. I thought it was like a lake kind of a thing. But all right. Mountains. If you say so. I say so. All yeah. right. So the Passenger Bill of Rights was passed by, uh, was passed, was whatever, by <laughs> Jeff Lou. And then um, I think as using this as part of their reasoning, the uh, the Senate um, passed an airline passenger bill of rights in 2010, which had a lot of the same type of um, guidelines that the JetBlue one did. So it was required airlines to provide passengers with food, potable water, comfortable cabin temperature and ventilation, and adequate restrooms while a plane is delayed on the ground. Can you believe we didn't have that beforehand? In other words, I mean, human yeah. rights, basically. Right. Human rights. Yeah. Just yeah. basic, basic food human and rights. water. Yeah. It would require them to offer passengers the option of safely deplaning once they have sat on the ground for three hours. This option would be provided every three hours the plane continues to sit on the ground. Thank you. Um, requires airports and airlines to develop contingency plans for delayed flights to be reviewed and approved by the Department of Transportation. God, imagine the, the uh, paperwork. That's got to be... I can't. <laughs> I, I imagine like a whole um, industry of people supporting that. But anyway, good jobs. Jobs are good. Um, the bill also allows the Department of Transportation to fine air carriers and airports that do not submit or fail to comply with contingency plans. And then the consumer complaint hotline, which I'm sure is efficient and effective. So so um, thanks to JetBlue, in, in a sense, we now have an airline passenger bill of rights. We do. And uh, sad for us. I mean, OK, great that it's there. Amazing. Right, you're a human being on a plane, and you need to be treated like a human being while you're on a plane, even though yes. the airline really owns your soul, and we all know that. Right, right. Uh, but in the EU, and this this was part of that very long discussion that uh, that we had the other day, um, mm-hmm. or sorry, that James and I had the other day, mm-hmm. which which was okay, great. So all this stuff about airlines, fine. But then what's this thing about the EU Bill of Rights, and because in in Europe, if your flight is delayed, you get money, and everybody knows wow. it, right? Wow! And there's it's just not even a question. Like wow. you hope that your flight's going to be delayed by thirty minutes, 
Um, wow. It's not even that you're a human being. It's that like you need to be compensated for the inconvenience. Um, nice. And so I wanted to try and understand, like, why does the EU have this incredible, fantastic law? It's uh, EU 261. Hey, research. Um, <laughs> and the U.S., that's like nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the EU passed their, their law in 2005, 10 years before the U.S. was even like, hey, you know, wow. you get water on a plane. Yeah. Right. That was five fucking years ago. Come on. Wow. Um, and I couldn't find anything beyond in Europe. They like to legislate. They like to pass laws. And they like to kind of loosely take care of people. I mean, you know, I think it's socialism and all that. But um, I haven't seen Is it the same for trains? If your train is late, do you get money? I didn't do that much research. Okay. So my well, guess. Well, James comes back in brushing his teeth. You can ask him. That would be a really interesting point. Uh, but, you know, actually, it doesn't happen in Europe. Their trains are never late. The trains are it never just late. never happens. That's right. <laughs> I wish we had trains. But anyway. I've been on a train once uh, in the in the States. I mean, outside of subways, which I don't think of as trains. And I also, coming from L.A., mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't. I, I don't get them. <laughs> I don't know how they work. I, I don't want to know. It, it's hard. New York City, never, ever, ever fucking on the subway unless I'm with a friend who lives there. And they have to hold my hand the whole time because it's <laughs> just, I don't get it. Um, I made it all about me and I forgot what the thing was. Oh, trains. Yeah, I was on a train once and, um, and I didn't care for it. Oh, okay. I haven't been on one in the U.S. that I remember. I take that back. I was on the ICE, uh, and it was all right. But planes are really, for me, the way to go. Okay. I prefer trains. I just Really? Yeah, I like being on the ground. We're going to have to go on vacation together. <laughs> you take a train. I'll fly. We'll see who gets there first. We'll see who's in a better mood when they get there. Yeah, see who's in a Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be drunk and singing, and you'll be like, oh my God. Oh, you told me you win already. <laughs> yeah. So so one thing, though, um, to go back to that guy that that uh, politicked the board into making him chief operating officer, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he's doing now because I noticed that um, in 2011... In 2011, JetBlue had to apologize again for a very similar um, event that left a plane filled with passengers stranded on the tarmac in Connecticut. Um, And the chief operating officer was a different person, and he had to apologize. Um, And I wonder what happened to the other guy. So uh, I can tell you, because I was really intrigued by this Wikipedia page for David Berger. I was like... Well, it was just that line about politicking, right? Right. Like, and right. contrasted against it within the same sentence, while Neely or Needleman, Neilman, sorry, sir, I should have your name right. Um, yeah, Neilman. Okay. That's right. I, twice I've gotten it wrong. I really want it to be Needleman. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so if he changes his name, another piece Another of proof. power. Yes. Yeah, we right. are all powerful here. Um, Needleman. But so Berger was ousted in 2015. Investors were unhappy with the way that stock prices had been trending over the past few years. 
uh, I had mentioned that he'd also been made president in 2009. And I don't know a lot about running a corporation, but in my corporation that I will be running, I'm sure one day, the CEO yeah. and the president are never going to be in the same body. It's never going to be right. the same fucking person. That just sounds right. like the dumbest idea of all time. Yeah. I mean, aside from some other dumb ideas that I'm sure. I'll... <laughs> so maybe so not he got dumbest. promoted. To, so he got promoted to president, you're telling me. And now he, he got and then he got ousted. Well, so CEO would be like the top job. Like if you yeah. want to run an organization, yeah. right? CEO he got, is like he was where CEO. you want to be. He was he was. So he started as COO, right? And then in 2007, he was promoted to CEO, right? I see. And then in 2009, for some reason, he took the second job of the presidency. I see. So it's a bit like being Speaker of the House and President. Right. Yeah. I could have said Vice President, but everybody knows Vice President doesn't really do anything, so... (laughs) <laughs> so is he still uh, in that position? No, no. So uh, so he was let go in 2015, and uh, he is somewhere in the airline industry. No, actually, I don't I know see. that. I take that back. Uh, I think I, I expected, I anticipated that he would be, but I don't know where he is yeah. now, but I guarantee you this, he's rich. Yeah, yeah. So he probably retired. He's fine. He's fine. He might be yeah. starting a new airline as well. I'm sure he won't be at Breeze Airways. No, I'm sure he won't. Wouldn't that be funny? God. Um, I'm going to fly so, that airline. I can't wait until uh, it No, me too. As soon as it's available, I'm going to get right on. <laughs> <laughs> but so they really fired poor Needleman for no reason because the, the same thing happened four years later um, in under uh, what's-his-name's watch. Right. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, Needleman. What? It's not Needleman. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. David, listen. I love you. I don't know why, but I do. Um, so yes, they they fired him because there always has to be a sacrificial goat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got yeah. to pay the price, and yeah. he. While, you know, again, while making his public apologies on television, stated nobody, he wasn't passing the blame. He said he was to blame. The buck stopped with him. He took full ownership, which is probably part of the reason why the board, somebody was like, you know what? Yeah, someone's got to pay for it. And since you're not going to make anybody pay for it, you pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. So unfair. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So the thing that I don't understand, and I read this um, at the last minute last night, it's it said that um, more and more airlines are um, adding clauses that require passengers to settle disputes with airlines in private arbitration rather than in court and prevent passengers from starting or joining class action lawsuits. So a professor of law at Stanford Law School, Deborah Hensler, said that um, what the airlines are saying is that if you ever have a dispute with us, the only way you can pursue this is in private. These types of agreements are usually an effort to prevent people from having an effective way of challenging a company on what might arguably be a legal violation. So I guess now the airlines are making people sign things or, you know, when you buy this ticket, you're agreeing to, you know, private arbitration rather than taking us to court or something and leaving people no real, no real out. You can't just turn around and fly someone else because they have the same agreement probably. So that means then 
does that mean that the Passenger Bill of Rights is no longer effective? Or does that mean that JetBlue is going to drop their Passenger Bill of Rights, which requires them to pay people money for um, certain uh, events? I don't know. I'm going to say, and I hate I hate to call bullshit on the uh, JetBlue Passenger Bill of Rights, but, mm-hmm. but I get it. Like airlines, customer service on airlines, mm-hmm. to be more clear, um, isn't yeah. regulated. There aren't real laws against it or for against it for it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, he really knows what he's talking about. Um, Flying is getting worse and worse. And so things like JetBlue's bill of passenger rights. Yeah, it costs them money. Sure, totally, right? But in yep. my world, in my brain, it's it's a marketing thing, right? Oh, we're yeah, going to have this bill yeah, of rights yeah. and we'll get some PR about it. Uh, and yeah, it's going to cost us some money, but you know what? That money that we would we'll spend on advertising, year. talking about how great yeah. we are, now we yeah. just send out some press releases for free that say we paid these people $25 million last year, right? Um, I see. And... Yeah, like the this idea of an industry being allowed to regulate itself. I mean, on one hand, I'm for it. It yes, sort of loosely, right? Um, and the so like Hollywood had this thing called the Hayes Code, uh, which in the '30s was an agreement between the studios on what morally could be shown in movies. And they mm-hmm. did that to keep the government from issuing laws about what could appear on the screens. And this, it, so it was a gentleman's agreement between the studios, I see. right? And that's what we have here with the airlines, uh, a gentleman's agreement as to what we're going to do with those terrible passengers who won't give us more money for flying them places. Um, mm-hmm. And then... It, but then we do have regulation around things that could actively kill you, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, the FDA, right? So how food is produced, that's regulated and for a specific reason, because once upon a time it wasn't regulated and there was a gentleman's agreement between food industries. And then we had John Updike write The Jungle and everybody lost their mind because, oh my God, I'm eating babies. Soylent green is people. Okay. Um, All right. So I'm arguing about regulations now, um, which is a bigger topic than I'm prepared to argue for or against. Yeah, I don't understand it at all. It's like it's completely over my head. I'm not interested. That's probably more true. <laughs> it's not over your head. It's that you're not interested. <laughs> I'm not interested. But it does. It does. It, what does interest me is the idea that an airline can say you need to sign this piece of paper that whatever that says that you're not going to take us to court, um, or you don't fly. I can, can is that going to be held up in court because there's no other way for me to get to Australia without flying unless I take a boat, which is not a comparable means of transportation. Mm. So can I go to this lawyer woman and say, you know, I had no choice. I had to sign this thing. It was not it was a coerced, you know, I was coerced into signing this because I wanted to get to to wherever it is in Australia. I was going Sydney. I, I think the shorthand is, yes, you could bring uh, such a lawsuit. Um I, but at that point, we'll hear from every lawyer on the planet. Um, Mm. So, yeah, arbitration clauses are very, anybody who has clicked yes on iTunes, anybody Mm -hmm. who's clicked yes on a Mac OS update, every time you update 
any operating system. You're agreeing to the operating terms, and yeah. within there, there's going to be a thing about arbitration. But I they're see. just, I mean, it just is. Every company, I, I shouldn't say every company, but I have a friend who's uh, trying to redo his house, and his big thing <laughs> is his arbitration clause. Um, so contractors have arbitration clauses in their contracts and it basically says you can't sue me you have to we're going to go into mediation um, <laughs> my contractors don't even have contracts let's <laughs> see so there now you're lucky <laughs> that good um, yeah yeah and so so yes um, I think it would just depend on in, in your it, question of and this is me completely making up law um but it would really just depend on what your situation was so if the airline was five minutes late could you take them to court and sue them you can sue anybody at any time for anything um, sure. regardless of what you have signed it's just a question right. of who's going to bear the cost once this settlement is reached right and or right, will it right. will a judge even take it right so a judge might right. say nope not interested arbitration or a judge might say let's hear this so it's not an absolute um but i also don't know that so I could make everybody that I meet sign a uh, private arbitration agreement saying that if you have a disagreement with me, you can't take me to court. Um, yeah, I think, well, make them sign. No, you couldn't make them sign. Well, but you know, you, you encourage could, them to sign. You could um, hold up a piece of paper that says, by reading this, you agree with everything that I <laughs> am about to say. And then you could say some stuff. And then, you know, they don't have to. They've read it, right? Um, so yeah. getting their signature would be trickier. It's doable. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, too bad for JetBlue. I mean, I don't know how they're doing these days. <laughs> no, hooray for JetBlue. No, hooray for David Needleman, who's hooray for David not ne related Needleman. to David Needleman. Um, <laughs> David Needleman, we love you. Um, and then David. Yeah, we'll Nielman, fly your airline when it comes up. Totally going to be on Breeze Airways, not because as I long hate as it doesn't Jet have Blue. that lying snake Barker or whatever his name was on it. Oh, David Barker. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, he'll he'll have nothing to do with it um, at all. Yeah. I am sure. And then. Watch, I'm going to be at a dinner like a year from now, and someone's going to go. I want you to meet my to best you. friend, David Barker. I know your name from somewhere. Oh. <laughs> it's going to totally be. No, he'll be all like, I know your name from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, like, your podcast friend just called me a lying snake on, on the radio. Uh, I, uh, I get sued for that. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so what about um, apologies that are owed to you or apologies that you owe to people for this week? Oh, my God. Last week. Are there any? I stumbled so hard because I just, you would think like, hey, I have this weekly show where it's about apologies. And <laughs> I'd have one in my brain. Uh, and so, yes. And I always like, and I'm, I'm really boxing myself in with this theme of, oh, my apology should always sort of sync with the theme of the show, of that episode. Oh, my God. Right? Well, yeah, because it's, you know, it's... I owe a lot of people a lot of apologies, so it's kind of not hard <laughs> for me to You do just that. pick one out, yeah. Yeah, so I have one, um, and it's going back okay. some time. Once upon a time, I worked in a bookstore called Walden Books that is, I believe it's out of business now, uh, and it was in Sherman Oaks on Ventura Boulevard. And 
I was the store manager and I was 22 years old. Can't believe they gave me that much power at that age, but they did. <laughs> and a woman came in with her young child and <laughs> typical, typical privileged, uh, wealthy, upper middle class woman came in. I already could see the attitude. And she mm -hmm. said, my son has to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't let you use our bathroom. And now this is true. There was a company policy that said customers are not allowed in the back of the store, period. And yeah. there was also yeah. an ice cream store two doors down that did let people use their bathroom because mm -hmm. then you bought ice cream while you were in there. Right. Right. Um, and so I told her she was going to have to go two doors down. And she looked at me and said, I can't believe you're going to make a five year old boy walk two more doors <laughs> to use the bathroom. And I was like, this isn't my policy. I'm sorry. I could lose my job. You boxes could fall on your son back there. Anything could happen. So, you know, no. But I owe her an apology because I was really happy to tell her no. I don't think you owe her an apology. <laughs> I do, because I was glad. Like, I would have told her no, probably, even if the store didn't have a policy. And I, right. I'm going to say that I was the asshole there. I take ownership of, of that. And it's... It, weirdly has sat with me for years every now and then wow like so she sort of won because every time i walk into a store and i have to pee and there's not a bathroom which is a lot there yeah. are a lot of stores yeah. that don't have bathrooms right yeah i think about it yeah 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 so interesting and that kid now is probably uh 47 years old <laughs> So, lady, and he remembers I'm, not being able to pee yeah, when he really had to pee oh, that Jesus one time Christ. at the bookstore. It's probably his sexual thing now. That's right. <laughs> Hold my hand while I have to go pee because I, it turns me on so bad. Sorry. Oh, God, that's terrible. I'm going to hell. Um, so I, I apologize not on behalf of Walden Books and the store policy. I, I apologize mm -hmm. because I should have been a better person and not taken such satisfaction much. out of it because I did. And that was You have a, a high bar for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm related to gods. So That's true. Yes. I don't really have any apologies this week, except maybe I owe myself an apology for having given myself such a hard time this week over screwing everything up and not being able to do my job because I felt so bad because I've been really depressed this week. And I don't know why, but maybe just the change of weather coming back to San Francisco from, from Arizona and just everything being different, and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know, but it's just since I got since Monday morning, I've really felt out of it and bad. And of course, um, saying that I can't, I can't have this meeting. I can't cope with it. I can't do it. I won't be able to do this right. And oh my God. So maybe I should just let up. You should, if you're going to let me off the hook for making a five-year-old walk two doors down when he had to pee, you totally let yourself <laughs> off the hook for that. <laughs> I should have just taken the week off, but I, I didn't know it was going to, I thought it would just be Monday and then it was Tuesday and then it was Wednesday and then it was Thursday. Now it's Friday. But I might take the afternoon off, so... Yeah. 
You should, and you should make some plans that are, and everybody should do this, right? Because at this moment when we're recording it in time, it's a sucky time in America right now. It's easy to get a little depressed and to get into the blah. Um, and so things are it, like any any normal amount of sadness is just exacerbated by the pandemic and the political situation and the end of Western civilization, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there is no more, it feels like to me, yeah. there is no more like, oh gosh, I stubbed my toe. It's like, my leg's going to have to come off. Right. Right. So I, I'm, I feel you. Thank you. Okay, well... Uh, Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, we appreciate it. And we'll see you next week w- with a surprise topic. Yes, with a very good surprise, <laughs> surprise topic. to all of us. Surprise to you and me. to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.